Hello, everybody. Thanks very much for uh, tuning in for episode uh, seven. Um, my Hello. name is Brandon Curry. Josh Bond. Jeff Collins. Trevor Lindy. Um, please uh, subscribe um, and share and retweet and reshare on all social media. Um, uh, Trevor, how do you do that again? It's on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So it's called Professional Insights. So uh, thanks very much for tuning in. Um, so we had a couple more questions come through. Um, so about basically wills and powers of attorney, Bondo, you want to touch on that? Yeah, well, we, let's not get so much so into wills and powers, powers of attorney, but I'd like to speak about a little bit more about uh, three different circumstances that can arise in the event that somebody's passed away. Yeah, okay, great. Um, the first would be in the event that somebody passed away and there was a joint tenant on title. With a joint tenancy, there's an automatic right of survivorship. Uh, so, so explain that in English. So if you and I, uh, Brandon, owned a property. Yeah, rental or prim primary, right? W whichever it is. Yeah. And, and the designation that we hold title on is as joint tenants. Yep. Um, by virtue of that designation, it means when I pass away, the whole of the interest in the property automatically reverts to you. That's right. Um, the other one is a tenants in common, in which case you would keep your undivided 50% interest separate and apart from anything that I would ever be able to claim. So for. before you go on, how does someone know if there are tenants in common or joint tenants? That's usually in discussion with your lawyer when you're closing okay. the, the purchase of the transaction. So like my wife and I are joint tenants on my primary residence. Like right? Likely you are. Yeah. Well, you did the paperwork. So yes, I hope yes, so. yes. Uh, right. <laughs> and then a joint joints uh, in common, just this Ten, people, tenants in common, ten, tenants in common for people listening. Yeah. That's if you buy a rental property with a buddy and you each own a third, a third, a third kind of thing. more, more so you can do whatever the heck you want with your third. It Correct. has nothing to do with my third. Correct. And yeah. in, in, for instance, in the event of it's a... It's kind of like a shares in a corporation. Correct. Uh, you would normally deal with whatever one-third, one-fifth interest as tenants in common through your will, mm -hmm. right? So that would form part of your estate, yeah. and then it'll get dispersed in accordance so, with so whatever. So from a real estate point of view, if a husband and wife were buying it, where would they typically go with? Joint tenants. Okay, and if they wanted to find out what they had, they'd check the lawyer paperwork that they had? Usually when you're purchasing the property, that's one of the discussions that the lawyer would, it absolutely should be one of the discussions so that the, the lawyer So the paperwork has. package you get after signing papers, where they would say in there? When you're signing, that should be confirmed with the parties okay. what their intention is. But so if they that, wanted to look back at their paperwork from yep. the house they bought seven years ago, yep. they could look it up and it should show in there, right? Correct. Okay, yes. just yep. wanted to know from my clients. Yep. It'd be reflected on the transfer, and there's another uh, direction okay. uh, that would likely have been signed by the parties. So there's that one. So in the event that you do hold title with a joint tenant, and the joint tenant passes away, you become the owner of that property, but to convert it into your name alone, you would need to keep a copy of the death certificate, and essentially that's all you would need. The second uh, instance is... In the event that somebody passed away, there's no joint tenant on uh, title to the property, um, then you would likely have to probate the individual's estate and have an estate trustee appointed in order to deal with that property. However, the third instance um, is when uh, it's a first dealing with the property where the government, uh, after the government has transferred uh, the property from the registry system into the land titles conversion qualified. Um, so in that uh, forum, 
you just have to swear an affidavit. Um, you have to have a copy of the will and then, you know, obviously consult with your lawyer because they're the ones that will be, you know, assisting you to um, put everything in place that needs to be. So not necessarily when somebody passes away do you have to probate in order to uh, move the real estate property. There's really only one circumstance uh, which you will, um, and that's in the event that it's not a first dealing and there's not a joint tenant uh, on title to the property. Can, can you clarify what probate is for everybody? Yeah, probate's a, probate is the, the process that you go through. Like a probate application is uh, the process that you go through, uh, which means take a will, or if somebody doesn't have a will, they, it's, it's characterized as dying in, intestate. Um, you go consult with a lawyer, and you submit an application uh, to the courts in order to be recognized as the individual estate trustee uh, executor or executrix that has the ability to to bind the estate. So has the it confers upon a person the power to deal with the deceased person's assets. Yeah. So basically, in you know probate in, is can be as high as one and a half percent. So it's like essentially it's the province's death tax that you that comes off the estate. So anything that goes through the will. Um, and and is processed by the will, which then, uh, just for all listeners, it also becomes public record. So if your neighbor is, wants to be nosy, uh, they just go down to City Hall, they pay a fee, and they can find out exactly how much your estate was worth and who it all went to and the whole bit. Correct, Bondo? Yes. I'm not sure exactly. I don't practice estate, so I'm not certain on the percentages, but it, mm-hmm. there is a probate fee that has to be paid, mm-hmm. which you know I suppose is eloquently... Uh, called a probate fee as opposed to a death tax. Correct. Um, I call it a death tax. Yeah. But as you <clears throat> are well aware, Brandon and, uh, and others, that there's, in terms of estate planning, there's things that you can do to avoid yes. or, or to reduce the amount of probate that's that, right. that you, you're required to pay and that, and that's what, somebody passes away. And that's away. what I do. And you know, this is why you and I are pretty much leading the, the, this, this episode is because mm-hmm. it leads right into what we actually do and, and why. I mean, there's, there's five key key things here um and you can't um you nothing can happen with the will until it has been probated until it's been notarized by a lawyer that it's been it's good to go and you as the executor cannot disperse that until it's been yep uh we're in the process of doing the um the the terminal tax return we you know that will be filed and you know taxes will be paid and all this kind of stuff you cannot disperse anything so, so the important thing when you when you have a family member passes and you want to just sell their house and all that the first thing you should be doing is talking to a lawyer hundred percent right? correct and how long does probate take too before you can potentially oh. put it in the market doesn't it depend on the size on yeah does it depend on the size of the estate or no no I I, I don't again I haven't practiced state law in maybe about eight years but when I did it uh, was and again it was up north so we would anticipate uh, six to eight weeks for a mm-hmm. probate application to come back approved by the court okay right so just a little bit to your point it's not only going to see a lawyer and having the will notarized correct but you actually have to fill out a, a probate application That's right on behalf of the individual who's applying to be the state trustee that has to get submitted to the court the court then has to approve it 
and then stamp and certify you to be yep. the one that's recognized. And then, and you, then you can access correct. the bank account. So really for you your can, family, if you're, you're future-proofing this, you should be talking to Brendan first, right, to find out how you can We incorporate, that, like, right? we will rock everybody in. Like, yeah. we, we talk to an accountant. I make sure that everyone has a lawyer. If you don't have a lawyer, I refer Bondo, you know that, I yep. refer you. If you don't have an, a chartered accountant, I've got a couple that I just say, like, these guys do great work, and I just go, go talk to these guys. Jeff, mm-hmm. you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically we make sure that... That you you, te- you check all the boxes because then what people don't think about is that if someone contests the will, yeah, uh, if there's a beneficiary that um, isn't on the will or whatever, I mean, we have had clients that are basically sitting in purgatory. Yeah. Um, it's what's going on two years. The executor cannot release it because it hasn't been notarized. Yeah. Um, you it's know, sad. It, it, it's, it's sad, sad because, and then they just sit there and well, it just sits in purgatory. And the scary part is someone could have sold their house, 100%. bought a house that didn't go through probate. Yep. The lawyer won't close on it. Right. And you are sitting in purgatory. Yep, you are. And you know? it, it can cost tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on the size of the estate in, in legal fees. Yeah. Um, so there's five key pieces that people need to understand um, that you have um, what we like to call your principal residence, which is non-taxable. That will flow through the estate, non-taxed, um, with the exception of probate. If it has to be, unless if it goes to your wife, don't worry about it. Wife or husband, that's fine. But if it if it goes flows through, okay, one and a half percent. That's what you got to pay. Unless I, I don't believe that would be the case if you have a first dealing. Correct. Unless it's a first dealing. That's right. Um, the second is what we like to call capital property. So any real estate. Um, investments like any rentals or second property cottages anything of that nature Um, that is you will have to figure out what the adjusted cost base was the fair market value you subtract the two that's what we call your capital gain currently right now as we sit the federal government has the capital gain uh, taxable capital gain at 50% so easy math here you bought a cottage for 200 grand it's now worth a million when you die 800,000 is the capital gain. The taxable capital gain is 400,000. That gets added to your income on the terminal tax return, just so everybody understands. So you are paying taxes if you've made 400,000 that year. Uh, you're so, so just to clarify, Brandon, so that 400,000 of capital gain mm-hmm. is slotted into your terminal tax return. So would it be income? Right, so it's an income tax. Yeah, so there's on. three steps to to the process. So there's what we like to call crystallization. So um, that's where CRA freezes everything essentially. Uh, the second uh, step is called a deemed disposition. Um, that's where CRA, regardless, just just looks at it and goes, "We deem this to be sold at fair market value." So everything gets assessed, and this is all during the process that with your lawyer and your chartered accountant. And I have to stress, get a good chartered accountant. Mm -hmm. The third is um, the terminal tax return. So all that gets added on. So your third um, piece, there's five pieces, your third piece is your registered properties, uh, registered um, uh, investments. So RSPs, all that gets collapsed. So if you've got three, four, (laughs) five hundred thousand sitting in an RSP, um, that gets, with the exception of a spouse, where you have the one-time spousal rollover, that then gets taxed at 100% of whatever's in the RSP, whatever's in the LIF, RIF, anything of that nature. The one exception is a tax-free savings account. That's the only exception. The fourth um, is your cash holdings, any cash, you know, uh, unregistered 
money. Under the mattress? Uh, under the mattress, <laughs> anything yeah. of that nature. <laughs> so if you have any uh, stocks, essentially they all get, uh, during the crystallization and deemed disposition, they, they are deemed to be sold, and you pay capital gains just on the profit. Um, the fifth is insurance. And then now that is not taxed. It does not flow through the estate. It goes right to your beneficiaries. And then what this does, it allows your beneficiaries to pay that terminal tax return bill, which, Bondo, you've probably seen uh, terminal tax returns in estates in, in the hundreds of thousands that you owe. Am, am I correct? That, that I've come across You've come clients? across. In, in oh, the, absolutely. It's very, very easy for absolutely. this to... <clears throat> To, I mean, you think about it, the average uh, baby boomer now is sitting on uh, a couple of, uh, at least a, a retiree, a million, million and a half in registered money. They die premature. All of that is... Um, government cash. Government cash, right? So um, anything I think that's... So I think the main thing to wrap this episode up would be the sooner you talk to a financial advisor and a lawyer before anything happens, the better off you are in the, in the long run, right? Yeah, we make sure we make sure that everything's uh, tidied up nice and we get, we, you know, yeah. just make sure. Because if you don't know what you're doing, no. it'll be a nightmare no. at the end. No, but I mean, and realistically, you have to think about it. We have tools that could guide you to, to save you money. To save you money. Right, it's, yeah. it's 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 a state planning, right? That's right. And Don't it, deal with it when it's too late. Correct. Yeah. The more that you could pass <laughs> you outside the estate, <laughs> yeah. The more that passes outside the estate, the less taxes you'll be paying, and the more money you you know the beneficiaries. Yeah, will it's be not as simple as just assigning a beneficiary and you're all good. Yeah. That's not the way it is. Yeah. That's it. Right that's people. that's um that wraps it up for episode seven. Thanks very much for listening. Again, tweet, share, um, all that kind of stuff. Remind them again, Lindy, how they do that iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Keep the questions coming. Thanks very much, guys. Ciao. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.